My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Well, just is that. Like, it's a perfect album. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about the single cultural work that's most inspired them. It's me, Adam Ons. I'm at Spark Parade on all social media, so very glad you could join me. Coming up a bit later on is my conversation with comedian, musician, all-around multi-hyphenate Matt Bouchelle about his love for the 1999 South Park feature film, South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. But first, slow news week, right? Nothing much happening in the world. Just kidding. Literally everything is on fire and there is nothing but chaos. Jesus fucking Christ. All I asked for was one day to be excited about the Democrats taking back the Senate, and I couldn't even have a half day. It's not great out there, is it? (sighs) Well, hopefully this week's interview will uh, take your mind off of all that shit for a little while. So um, why don't we focus on that, eh? I had a really great time talking to Matt. He's such a sweet guy. Really, really funny. And it was nice to be diverted by something silly and light when uh, we're living through quite heavy times. Um, So that sounds pretty lovely, right? So why don't we just get to it? Quick Matt facts. Matt Bouchel is a comedian and composer living in New York City. His work has been featured on Comedy Central, NBC, Complex, The New York Times, Netflix, and more. He is also very good at social media. Like, very good. So you should follow him on Twitter and Instagram if you like to laugh. He is at Matt Bouchel on both, but it's the phonetic spelling of his name. So it's M-A-T-T-B-O-O-S-H-E-L-L. Quick South Park movie facts. South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut is a 1999 American adult animated musical comedy film based on the Comedy Central adult animated television series, South Park. It was a massive success for all involved and was eventually nominated for a Best Song Academy Award for the song Blame Canada. The film follows the South Park boys after they sneak into an R-rated feature film starring Canadian actors Terrence and Philip, and afterwards they begin cursing incessantly. 
Eventually, their mothers pressured the United States to wage war against Canada for allegedly corrupting their children. And there's a subplot with Satan and Saddam Hussein having a relationship, as Matt and I will discuss. So there you have it. All the background information you could ever hope for. Let's get on with the show. Here comes my chat with Matt Bouchelle about South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. So the South Park movie, um, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut... Uh, first question is always, do you remember the first time that you saw it or, um, becoming aware of it? Now that's, that's a great question because this is a piece of culture that influenced me where it's weird because I don't remember watching the movie ever. I don't remember like (laughs) it was, the movie came out when I was nine years old. So I didn't, I didn't watch it. I was too young to really understand what it was, even if I did see it. But the songs started trickling into my life when I was like in middle school and high school via like Napster and like mm-hmm. Kazaa and LimeWire. I had like Blame Canada, uh, Blame Canada dot MP3. Like I had like these weird files that like your friend would send you and be like, this song's so funny. And we didn't even know why it was funny because we hadn't seen the movie. We didn't know the context. <laughs> right. So my like, my understanding of what that movie was, I don't think I saw it till college I I think that was the first time I saw it front to back but I listened to the songs on loop like I knew the soundtrack for some reason in high school like down to every single lyric and I knew what South Park was I knew who the characters were and stuff but I didn't understand why I was so compelled by it but yeah it was it was probably like 14 13 years old when I started like listening to it and getting excited by what it was because it felt weird and different so yeah yeah and I, I think that's one of the things about um that's so uh, the the reason why this movie, you know, outside of just the popularity of South Park, the reason why it works so well is because they uh, are so respectful of the genre of musicals as mm-hmm. well as just being, you know, their filthy selves. And exactly. um, that's a big test for me in terms of like the musicals that I enjoy is whether the songs can exist outside of the musical and still hold up or if it's like it needs to be in context there's a lot of musicals especially the most modern musicals where it's like kind of sung exposition where it's like yes, you know yes. talk talk singing and being like well i'm walking to school and it's just like <laughs> yeah. got nothing you know got nothing to do with um uh creating a, an, a memorable song it's just kind of singing it's, the it's story. story yeah it's story where, before it's uh yeah composition sometimes yeah i totally understand that and then these were like i think at the time a lot of the music i was listening to also was i listened to just a lot of like pop music whatever was on like mtv and i listened to a lot of like pop punk music i was really big into blink 182 and and green day and and uh like good charlotte a lot of those bands that kind of came and went and when i heard this it was like the first time i'd heard because I grew up on like Disney musicals, you know, like like Aladdin, Lion King, all those. But this was the first time I'd heard something that sounded like those great songs, but was like filthy and, and making really crude jokes. And I was like, well, this is something you can do, I guess. And, and like this is like and people will like it and, and pay for it and it will get nominated for Academy Awards. Like, really? Like, right. this is a real thing. Like, like it was right. kind of like I think it was like the breakthrough for me where I was like, oh, you can make musicals that are like funny and like you said, standalone and, and can have like a moment, like can have like an Oscar nominated song, even if the musicals, you know, you don't need the context of the musical for this to still be enjoyable. Right. Right. And also not just in the songs, but I think throughout the movie, I just rewatched it again. And, um, 
the the way that they use the conventions of musicals, it's so like, I don't know if it's, maybe at the time it was surprising. Obviously they have gone on to be reasonably successful in the (laughs) musical theater genre. Yeah. Um, But uh, the, at the time, I think being surprised by like, how sweet some of it is in in the like yeah. um honoring the the um the musical style um there's like just a, a, a part at the beginning where uh one of the boys is like coming up to the other boy's house and you can kind of like hear him off camera outside and it's like yeah. the kind of thing that you can yes. imagine in a broadway musical where there's like somebody you know knocking on a plywood door and yeah and yeah like, that- are you ready to go to school? Yeah. I don't know why I keep referencing going to school, but no, uh, no, but I know what you mean. <laughs> that that whole opening song is really fun. It's like Stan. I think it's Stan. It's either Stan or Kyle, like going around the town and singing about. It's that first musical song of like, here's where we live. We love all these people, and you get to introduce all the characters, and it sets you up very nicely. Like if you listen to the soundtrack front to back, you kind of get a gist of. Well, it gets a little crazy, but like <laughs> yeah. you can kind of like hear everyone coming into the play and like. It's it's kind of I wonder if they ever tried to make it a staged thing because it does feel like it would lend itself really well to that and like be pretty easy to convert. But yeah, I've never heard of any uh, productions of it or anything. But yeah, I was wondering that too because like uh, I, I don't know if they just didn't want to repeat themselves and wanted to do something different and that's what led to the Book of Mormon. But you know, good point. Yeah, uh, they're. Uh, you know, in their in their fifties now, if they yeah. want a, a a quick buck, I'm sure they could still do it. Yeah. Um. You know, turn it like you said. This does feel like it um could convert really easily to the stage. Okay. But uh, yeah, I I um I think not only the sort of uh, I guess it's like the combination of that respect for the structure of the musical mm. and filling it with just the most filth that they possibly could and yeah. really just you know like now if you watch South Park if you watch on Hulu or something you can hear the swearing but mm-hmm. at the time it was like all beeped out and yeah. um so really going like as hard as they can yeah. you know using as much profanity as they can i mean there's like you know famously at the time the mpaa said that you could only have 400 swear words in a movie before it became nc17 so oh, they had 399 <laughs> i didn't know that about it. that's yeah. really funny well the whole we can you don't mind if i swear right like that's fine oh or, please do okay so like the whole <laughs> thing with like the uncle fucker thing with terrence and philip it's like yeah. it's, it's almost meta of like uh, and there's a lot about the movie that does not hold up. Like, I mean, this was written in 1999 to come and they were really pushing what they could get away with. And sometimes right. you listen back and you're like, Ooh, like those a little cringy, but, um, the Terrence and Philip plotline is very funny to me of like, there's this show that's very inappropriate and it's ruining kids brains. And so because of that America goes to war with the country that created that show. And it's like, right. it feels like they're talking about themselves in a lot of ways. Cause I remember back then it was like. Like, in my house, it was like, you do not watch South Park. Like, when I was a kid, it was like, that is inappropriate. You're not allowed to watch it at our house kind of thing. And if you were at your friends, maybe you could watch it on their TV. But, like, it was, like, yeah. really bad. And, of course, it wasn't, like, going to ruin the culture. It was a huge influence on me. But it was, like, treated like very, very, uh, you know, damaging arts. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. funny to see them make this cheery musical that that really stands on its own. as like this kind of beautiful project. <laughs> yeah. And... I- 
that idea of sort of referencing the the shit that they had gotten because of the content they'd created. I mean, I think mm -hmm. specifically in relation to Columbine and yeah. kind of getting sucked into that and uh, having people say that they're a bad influence and, you know, turning kids into monsters and whatever. And um, so every time anybody wants to talk about a movie that's made before like 2003, I always end up stumbling on the Roger Ebert uh, review of of the movie. And he was very like not dismissive. He said he like kind of laughed in spite of himself, but was saying, Oh, I just don't get what the point of it is. And I don't get what they're trying to say. <laughs> and I think that, you know, he, he sort of alludes to it, but I think yeah. maybe, you know, the, 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 if you're trying to find the thesis statement, it's the idea that it's ridiculous to say any form of entertainment is the one thing that's pushing kids to do bad things or, you know, um, that obviously you can have the influence of like teaching kids how to swear, but sure. um, you it's can, not you can introduce vocabulary. But, <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's not going to destroy the fabric of America. Yeah, exactly. I think that was like peak paranoia for like censoring things and, and bleeping out thing. I think that was like that era that, that I was like going through, like my adolescence was, I feel like everything was censored. Everything was like had a rating on it and was very uh, cautious about what kids were being exposed to. That was also like the era of like video games, like violent video games being blamed for things. And, um, it still happens, but that was like peak, like, what are the kids playing? What are the kids watching? What rap lyrics are they listening? Just all kinds of like crazy, like, um, kind of like scapegoats for, for other problems. But, um, yeah. but I feel like South Park, I mean, there's definitely a lot of it that does not hold up and maybe at the time it was funny, but now you look back on it and realize it was a little off color, but I do think in general, 90% of what they have done in a like 20 year career is coming from a good place and trying to like... Mm -hmm say something good and say something nice, even if they don't always land, stick the landing. But um, I do think there's like a lot of heart in what they do. And I think on a broader sense, like their TV show, I think the best episodes are always the ones that include music. I think they tend to write some of the funniest songs and they do it in a way that feels so obvious. And it, I mean, cause musical comedy is hard, like to do it right and not be cheesy or corny is difficult. And they always like find the right way to make a catchy song that the performances are funny. The lyrics are funny that even the recording, like the way they, the instruments they choose, they just make it, they just nail it every time they do a song in an episode and every song in that, in that movie, like I like have them memorized still. And I like, I haven't listened to it in a few years till I like was talking to you about it. And I was like, I should revisit that. And it was like, it just like the gears were turning. I was like, wow, this really, these melodies and everything are still up there. Like they stuck with me all this time. It's kind of crazy. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, they probably at the time didn't get enough credit for being good songwriters and for, yeah. you know, actually understanding how to, uh, mix the work that they'd already been doing with the the musical genre and then you know I, I think since book of mormon they've uh obviously people feel like even if they don't think it's the best example of a musical they know it made a lot of money and that it's very successful and a lot of people responded to it so yeah um yeah it's uh uh quite an achievement and like like you said getting nominated for an oscar and yeah that's insane to me. That was something that I didn't, I wasn't really aware of it because I, I was nine years old. So like, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to awards ceremonies, but, but yeah. like looking back on that and like knowing that they went to the Oscars because of blame Canada is so crazy to me. <laughs> like, cause you see yeah. what gets nominated now for like best song of the year. And it's always, uh, 
you know, like usually a ballad from maybe or a song from like a biopic from that year. You know, that's what usually gets nominated for best song. And and I don't know what they lost to. They didn't win the Oscar, but no, they lost to Phil Collins. It was a yeah. song from Tarzan. Yes, that's what, so. The best song is always a Disney song or it's like a biopic yeah. song. So the fact that there was this weird, like like largely like hate song about Canada was right. one of the considerations. I'll have to look it up because I'm assuming maybe they didn't do this back then, but you know nowadays they perform all the songs at the Oscars. So yeah. I wonder if they performed it. I have to look that up. I should have. I should have. Yeah search that but <laughs> that would have been very bizarre <laughs> yeah i'm i'm pretty sure they did i think so they funny. performed all the songs and i mean of all the songs in that movie it's the one that's probably the yeah. easiest to perform on an awards show yeah. in you know 2000 or whenever this was um without having to like bleep all the words sure, every, sure. every second yeah. um yeah the most annoying thing for me or the thing that i feel the most annoyed for on their behalf is it's that not winning that is what stops them from uh, egotting. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So I think they'll egot though. I feel like they're gonna work on another film or make something. I feel like yeah. if Book of Mormon became a film, it would win some kind of Oscar. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Do one original song to like. Yeah, you know, something make will it come up for them. Yeah. They're they're very yeah. prolific. I feel like. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. Um, have you seen any of the footage of them at the Oscars? When they were on acid, that stuff. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen some of the footage from that. It's it's great. Uh, they were like wearing uh, the like the flowery dresses and, and and didn't think they were gonna like have to do anything, and then they showed up and they were tripping and they had to yeah. talk to yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very funny. And it, like one of them is wearing a dress that Jennifer Lopez wore, and was, one yeah. of them is wearing the dress that. Gwyneth Paltrow wore when she won her Oscar yeah. and I can't remember what they keep saying but they just like answer every question with like such a lovely evening or something yeah, like just yeah. over and over and Almost over again. like in those voices uh, they use for characters <laughs> like, yeah, yeah 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 I don't know I I can't imagine being invited to the Oscars because something I wrote was nominated but it, I feel like that's not the worst way to go you know like I feel like the whole yeah. thing would be so absurd and over the top that I wouldn't want to necessarily be fully aware of everything happening <laughs> but, God, I, I, I can't like that idea of being in public being like around people I don't know being in a crowd yeah. on acid is enough to send me like into a panic attack sure. but being at the Oscars and like walking down the red carpet and all of the attention totally on you, people yeah. like constantly interviewing you, asking you questions. Ugh, yeah, no. I wouldn't. I don't know no. how I would, I would handle that pressure. I don't know if I would do acid yeah. and wear the J Lo dress, but I would not be. Uh, I would not be comfortable in my own skin at a place like that. That would be a little yeah. too intense. Oh God. Um, had you so you didn't get to really see South Park very much around when the movie came out? Uh, like a little. I mean, I definitely watched it. I was aware of it. Um, definitely mm -hmm. like in like high school, I watched it a lot. Um, I just remember when I was like younger, like when the movie came out, it was like something I knew about but didn't really know much about. I just knew it was like inappropriate and we shouldn't watch it kind of thing. But in high school, yeah. it was very quickly like my favorite thing. And um, I mean, I'm trying to think like big comedy shows I watched. South Park was one of them. Uh, I mean, I watched like everything, but that was one that like stuck with me. And I think it was like the musical episodes specifically that always like stuck out. And it's weird that like back then I was thinking about this, like in prep to talk to you about it. And like, it's weird to think about how 
like nowadays, there's so many ways you can discover music. There's so many opportunities, whether it's through TikTok or uh, Spotify or Apple Music. Like there's just so many places where you can learn about new artists or new things going on. But kind of like back then in like the late 90s, early 2000s, you had to either buy a CD or like catch it on the radio or ke- like that was this was like right in the dawn of like you know, like peer to peer file sharing. And a lot of the music I discovered back then, it was like that album was something I discovered from someone that downloaded it and heard it was like this really funny, crazy thing. And like, that's like how my generation like learned a lot about like what were cool (laughs) things to listen to or what was like a a cool new album that like that you wouldn't necessarily go out and buy because you didn't know about it. And you didn't like, this was like the dawn of the internet and like sharing things with each other. It was kind of a it's kind of a weird way to like have something be such a big influence on you is something you downloaded without even knowing what it was. You just heard someone at school, like on the bus tell you, you got to download South Park, blah, blah, blah. Like just, right. it's, it's, it's different. Like people don't, there's so many more resources now, I guess is what I'm trying to say for people to like, if they hear about something they want to check out, they can immediately pull it up on Spotify on their phone and have it. But we couldn't like just have albums back then. We had to right. like do a lot of work to figure out what we wanted to consume. But. Yeah. And like, I don't necessarily miss the inconvenience of having to really struggle to find things or anything, but there is something that I'm kind of nostalgic about where it's like hearing about something and having it be kind of your secret and not being sure that everyone in the world knew about it. And now it's like, if you're the first person to know about something, you have about 10 minutes before everybody (laughs) else knows about it. Um, And I think not only with the advent of the internet, but also streaming has changed the way that people uh, perceive, you know, TV and and film and censorship in those medium uh, media. And at the time, it was still like, you know, the the major networks were the still the the had the biggest share Mm -hmm. of viewership. And, you know, people had cable, but it wasn't like everybody had cable and streaming didn't exist. So having something like this with those, you know, uh, taking these characters from this TV show and letting them just run riot and swear and be crazy was this like novelty, yeah. uh, you know, no, you, you didn't have things like that in other places. And now, you know, there's a million <laughs> different places where you can find the most, uh, obscene. extreme yeah. obscene shit ever. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was like, a kind of hit right at the right moment. Too. Yeah. The culture is definitely more, uh, accepting of like explicit stuff now i I definitely feel that like just but that's also because yeah there's so many things out there like i do feel like media and like i'm a creator myself so it sucks to like have to say it but i do feel like things are so much more disposable now just because Mm -hmm. there's so many outlets for finding something that is great like there's great stuff on so many different platforms whether it's made by a massive studio and put out on like netflix or if it's just like some teenager in his bedroom making funny TikToks, it's like there's just so much good shit, and it's like, yeah. and because of that, it's like even the best shit you watch, you're kind of like, okay, what's the next thing I'm gonna stream? What's the next thing I'm gonna watch? Like, I do feel like it's harder to find like really great, great stuff that sticks with you because we we watch probably like, I mean, I can't, I don't want to pull numbers out of my ass, but it does feel like we watch ten times as much stuff nowadays than we ever used to. So it's like. I've and it's great because I do watch a lot of great things that influence me and and I enjoy but I do have a tougher time like like what will be the South Park soundtrack that I'm consuming right now what like 10 years down the road will I still think about I'm like I don't know I I watch so many things it's all it all blends together come the end of the year but yeah yeah and because there's so much content and so many different sources for that content and 
everybody just mixes and matches and mm-hmm. chooses stuff according to their taste rather than like this is what's put in front of you by the networks and this is the stuff that you have to watch or this, this these are the movies that the studios are putting out in the theater there's you know a maybe 10 in a busy week that's it and there's nothing else mm-hmm. and so people were limited in where the information was coming from there were fewer options and it meant that people were watching on a lot of consuming a lot more of the same stuff and now it's like you can have five friends and there might be one show that you all watch and everything else is completely different Um, and (laughs) yeah well that's the that's the joke yeah that's the joke right it's like you get together with your friends and it's like, have you seen this? And they're like, ah, oh, no, I heard about it. And they're like, well, have you watched this? We're watching this. Ah, oh, no, I heard it's good. Is it good? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't seen it. Like, it takes a while till you find that match. But then if you do, it's nice. But yeah, everyone's watching like four things at once and there's maybe one that overlaps. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And all, like maybe literally watching four things at once, like, you know, four different screens <laughs> yeah. at the same time, yeah. like trying to consume and yeah. consume and consume get as much stuff in your brain yeah, as if possible I'm excited about a show I've started putting my phone in the other room because I don't even want like I'm pretty good about that stuff but like it's easy if a show is not super captivating for me to kind of slowly just like pull up <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, what am I doing what yeah. am I doing I'm gonna forget the plot I'm gonna yeah it's it's to, it's it's impossible to be bored is how I'll say it. We're, there's you, right. we're, we haven't been bored in like nine years. <laughs> it's just too much right. to do. Yeah. So, but it also means that my attention span is so shitty. Like I I definitely am guilty of looking at my phone when watching TV mm-hmm. shows, and I'll just suddenly realize like midway through a season of a TV show that I'm like, who who is that person? <laughs> like I, I I don't know what they're what they're doing yeah. like i need to go back a few episodes and rewatch that's, them or that's whatever. like the ultimate <laughs> argument to make sure movie theaters survive is because you go into a movie theater you are off your phone <laughs> like you are taking it yeah. like yeah, yeah. if you're on your couch you're like yeah i don't know let me let me just scroll through instagram real quick this scene doesn't seem important <laughs> like before you know it, right. you're like barely paying attention to this two and a half hour movie or whatever <laughs> yeah i i would even argue i mean i've seen people in movie theaters give their kids a gigantic iPad and just have them like playing games while the movie is playing. So you have this like glowing screen in front of you. So I think probably live theater and, you know, opera and the symphony and things like that. Those are the only places left where there's an expectation that you are going to be paying attention. You're going to be quiet and you're not going to be doing anything else. And there's the real, still a taboo against those things. Um, but even, you know, I mean, definitely going to concerts, people don't give a fuck. Uh, You know, I have a friend who's very like assertive and stern about, uh, you know, does not like people talking at concerts. And she always just walks straight up to me and goes, excuse me, I don't know if your voice, uh, you, you really? notice that your voice carries and you should that, maybe just go outside if you want to talk. That is a different level like, of confrontation. I, I avoid confrontation yeah. like the plague. I would never, yeah. ever. I, I'm a private shit talker in a public like, oh, okay, whatever you guys want to do. If you need me, I'm, I'm over here. Like I'm very walk all over me. And then, yeah. yeah, she's she's very she's very good at it. She's English, and uh, so she has this like. I think she kind of makes people feel like they've gotten in trouble with the uh, teacher. And <laughs> ev- every time that I've seen her do it, they're just like, "Oh, oh, oh, God, I'm so sorry," and they're like, "Leave!" God, give, like, give won't, me, won't even just move to a different part. Like, go away. If I had an ounce of that in my blood, I feel like I'd be so much more confident. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could never do yeah. it either. I just I I reap the benefits when I'm around her, but I yeah, if I'm not uh, if I'm in a concert not with her, I just yeah yeah you do what you got to do in those moments. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. Uh, yeah. Um, the the other thing I was going to say about mm-hmm. the movie is just like not only combining the South Park shit with the kind of musical sensibility, but also there's such such a like sweetness to this movie, even though there are totally depraved things happening. And there, you know, um, there's like being able to balance uh, being as you know, rude and filthy as possible, but also having a heart and making you feel like, you know, it is kind of a heartwarming movie in spite of all of the depraved things that are happening is, uh, that's quite a delicate balancing act that I think they did a really good yeah, job. The, the, the plot line of, of Stan wanting to impress Wendy by being like an activist yeah. and like, and showing that he yeah. cares to like fight for justice because she starts to fall for like the random French boy who's like, yeah. dude, that's like my favorite character. There's that guy, I think they call him the mole, right? He's the mole. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's like, he's like a, a little boy who's got like a crazy French accent. And he's like leading this, uh, like underground, like army of kids to go free Terrence and Philip. His inclusion is so funny to me, but that's like a really sweet plot line of like Stan, like willing to sacrifice his life to like show Wendy that, that he's like a, he, he knows what's up. He's like, he's fighting for the cause and he's, He's out there doing what he has to do, and and then there's also the, the interesting love story of a Saddam Hussein and Satan, which is yeah. like yeah. when you realize yeah. that it is so bizarre. I'm like, what was going on? Like, I was too young to know how prominent he was in the news, but like, it's it's pretty bizarre to see that they added him as a character and that he was in hell in love with Satan. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just yeah. it's it's very crazy. But it is I love Satan's like storyline and his motivation of like. He doesn't feel like he's loved. He doesn't feel like anyone understands him. And he has like an incredible ballad, the song Up There. Yeah. That is one of yeah, my favorite yeah. songs in the whole thing because it's beautiful. Him just singing about like if he could get out of hell, people would see that he's like a normal person who who has emotions and feelings. And like that that song crescendos with that super high falsetto note that he hits. And like yeah. it's just it's just comedy, man. Like seeing the seeing the dead people in hell that are like hanging, singing the oohs and ahs in the background. It's yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. It's like it hits my like funny bone perfectly. It's it's my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. And that song reminds me of like uh the little mermaid like ariel absolutely you know? it is very similar that part of your world and, and his song being like if only i could be like up there in your world like yeah it's, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's very similar it's it's super funny though and musically it just isn't that chorus of like up there there's a whole lot what baby's burping yeah. for that like it's just it's just really yeah. like triumphant and like he has that really funny like that's something they do so well throughout the movie it's like they don't just sing. They sing like crazy people. Like Satan's singing voice is like, Oh, there, there's a place I knew. <laughs> yeah. They just sound like the lyrics don't have to be jokey, 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 which is what I love. Because like, it's just the yeah. way they're singing is so damn funny. <laughs> like, Just yeah. him singing about yeah. like babies burping and flowers blooming sounds so funny in that crazy yeah. voice. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, this kind of parody of... You can imagine somebody singing those lyrics very earnestly and, you know, uh, just, uh, yeah, uh, really, really going in, going absolutely crazy. It's also like the, again, just the swearing stuff. I I think the, um, beginning, like the first 10 minutes also right after they see the Terrence and Philip movie for the Uh first time and like, um, go to class, all of that stuff just 
absolutely fucking yeah. kills me. The um, they get called to the principal, and yeah, they're just like trading. Cartman's just yeah. like, "What's the big fucking deal, <laughs> yeah, bitch?" It's just, like, it's just like, like absurd yeah. how much they. Yeah. yeah, you can tell they were going for that like swear word limit. Now that I think about it, yeah, um, yeah. There's a. <laughs> I was gonna say that like with those vocal performances, that French boy, the mole. The, so like my favorite song in the whole thing. But, well, I love What Would Brian Boitano Do? I think that's a great song. I'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Yeah. But my, my yeah. favorite song is the La Resistance Carries On or La Resistance Lives On. It's the big medley that mm-hmm. comes in right before like the yeah. big action scene. And it's like every song has a little moment that you've heard so far. And it, and it blends so seamlessly. But they do that thing again with the vocal performances where I just, I don't know what it is about me, but I like die laughing when I hear like these earnest piano chords and the French boy's voice comes in at the beginning so serious. He's like, God has smiled upon us this day. And like, it sounds so ridiculous. He's like singing this super serious song that would be in like Les Mis. And he's just singing about like freeing these like two Canadian guys. And it's so like the way he's so dramatic about like, though you die, la resistance lives on. It's like, like super, super dramatic performances about kids going to war. It's just like, it's so 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 silly but but it's like a beautiful song like it gives me chills when it's all at the end and everyone's harmonizing and singing their different parts and it's it's amazing it's it's hard to like top that (laughs) yeah yeah and the brian boitano song is just like so random and so like just but again like done with this like sweetness and kind of uh, you know, full commitment to to the idea of it. And I've read that he was just, he had no idea and thought that the whole thing was oh, hilarious. Okay. And then they like uh, worked together on a line of like, what would Brian Boitano do clothing for some charity or That's something? Really I, don't know. I, uh, I have a like specific memory of listening to that song. Cause that was like my favorite song when I was younger and thinking it was just so cool because it was so exciting. It has a key change. They're all singing about this guy. And I didn't know who Brian Boitano was. I didn't know he was like a real, I didn't understand the lyrics at all. I thought he maybe was a guy in the movie. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't know. And I didn't think to like try to figure it out. I just loved the song and I thought it was so funny. And now like looking back on it, having seen the movie multiple times and knowing who he is as a real human being, and like it, it makes yeah. me love it even more because it really is so like that's what Trey and Matt do with these things. They like pick something and it's not funny. It's not inherently like like a reference everyone was making. But they, for whatever reason, in the movie, the kids are obsessed with Brian Boitano, and they're all. And it's, right. like, it's like they're what would Jesus do thing, and they just refer to him for some reason. And that song is just like like the lyric every lyric is not jokey 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 again it's just they're saying things that this guy didn't do with such confidence with such a powerful song <laughs> right. it's like like when brian voitano built the pyramids he beat up kubla khan and yeah. you're like what are they talking about why are they saying this yeah. shit and why are they singing it like it's so important and they care so much about it and you're like oh because they it doesn't matter like that's what like they can right. they just right. do whatever they want and like you're either on board or you're not and and that's like that's really cool. And I think it's definitely like influenced the way I write like comedy songs and stuff. It's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have like a rhyming punchline every two couplets or something. Like just pick your, pick your angle, come up with what you want this to be about and just go for broke, make up shit, fly, 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 make the song catchy and it'll work. Like people will either like it or they'll be confused and that's fine with me. Right. And not worrying about whether people know who Brian Boitano is or whether it makes sense in, you know, the context of the movie or any of that stuff. It's just like 
the fact that it's so weird and so random is part of yeah. the joy of it. It's it's just they're they're mast sorry they're they're uh, they're like masters of phrasing too. Like the chorus I'm laughing thinking about is the the what would Brian Boitano do if he were here right now? I'm sure he'd kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Boitano did. <laughs> yeah. Ass or two. Like it's just yeah. like they just right. tell them just writing things to fit real quick and work. Like they don't overthink yeah. it. It's just, I'm sure he'd kick an ass or two. Yeah. That's what Brian Boitano did. I'm talking about this like Olympic yeah. figure skater. <laughs> right. It's such a right. strange right. thing to like say. Like yeah, he'd, he'd be here and he'd be fucking things up right now. I I, I feel like it's just it's just a funny thing yeah. to sing. But yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So incredible. Um, that I think is a lovely place to finish. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking me down memory lane with it. It's so fun to like, like it gave me an excuse (laughs) to like re-download the album. And like, I was listening to it all last week, just cracking up and like being like, man, this is fun music. Can't wait to talk to you. Yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah. And thanks for like having me on this. This is like really cool. I'm, I'm, feel honored to do stuff like this <laughs> yeah thank thank you so much for uh for agreeing to it i'm uh, this is this has been really fun <laughs> thanks man um just stay in touch take care all right take care yeah all right bye thanks again to matt for chatting with me what a great guy right Follow him on Twitter and instagram immediately i'll have a link in the show notes for you as well okay Now for my little inspirational artwork of the week. I finally watched Miranda July's latest movie, Kajillionaire, over the weekend, and it is a motherfucking delight. Uh, Quick little synopsis here. It stars Evan Rachel Wood, Deborah Winger, Deborah fucking Winger, and Richard Jenkins as members of a close-knit petty crime family whose relationship becomes frayed when a stranger, played by Gina Rodriguez, joins their schemes. Uh, I have liked Miranda July's work in the past, but I had kind of drifted away from her. Um, she's starred in her other films, but she's not in this one. She wrote and directed it, and I think that has really freed her up. The people she's cast in this movie are amazing. All of them are. It's crazy seeing Deborah Winger on the screen after all these years. Um, but I really think that Evan Rachel Wood and Gina Rodriguez are the heart of this movie. They are both so incredible. And it's another thing that will serve as a very welcome distraction from all the shit in the world at the moment. It is tinged with sadness, but it's mostly just warm and funny, and I loved it. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Okay, that's it for this week. As always, please tell everyone you know about this show and then stare them down until they agree to subscribe to it. Don't let them out of your sight until they do it, okay? I'm counting on you. Other than that, stay safe, stay healthy, stay away from white supremacist insurrections, please. And uh, until next time, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.